Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. Hi there, you're listening to Linda Pinizzato on the Condo Expert. I'm uh, speaking with Steve Clemens of the Canadian Fire Alarm Association, getting really important tips and information for all those condominiums out there. You know, we talked a, a lot about different things that could be happening, like throughout the whole building, whether it be, you know, the underground with the electrical load and the safety aspect and fire alarms and so on and so on. But the interesting thing is, is now I... With what needs to be done in the maintenance and care, if I think about condominium units and particularly, you know, ones that are, say, in high density areas like downtown Toronto, Trinity Spadina, got about 80,000 condo owners plus there and how many buildings. How does it all get covered if there's, I mean, if an owner is living in the unit, they may stay on top of this. If a tenant is in the unit, they probably don't even pay attention. I don't even know if they care, to be honest with you. And then you've got to look at the off-site owner and maybe even out-of-country owner. So if there's fines in place because the, uh, you know, fire marshal or, or um, fire inspector has come into the unit, they can certainly fine the person that lives in the unit. But is there any other mechanism that maybe property management could do or stay on top of things so that all of this is done? Because right now we don't even have it mandated that they should actually even go. And that really bothers me. And then we don't have it mandated on the Condo Act. That really bothers me. So trying to put all these pieces together for you, Steve, and create an entity of a mechanism, I guess, of working all together to create safety. Perfect. And that's the bottom line. Let's start with the building itself. Yes. So when I mean, you're going into your building, you got to have, is there a, a fire route? And that way, if there's a fire route, there must be a fire alarm system within the building in most cases. So now we enter the main entrance of the building. If there's not a fire alarm panel, there's got to be an enunciator panel. And on that panel, there's a bunch of lights. That's all you have to worry about. And there's red, green, yellow lights. What you want to make sure is there's just one light lit, one power light. It should be green. That is the code requirement. One light, and it must be green. If there's any other lights lit up, we have something wrong with our fire alarm system and make sure and notify your property owner that the fire alarm system isn't 100% active the way it's supposed to be according to code. So we've looked at the fire alarm system. Uh, if we have the one green light, we're good. Now within the same vicinity, within that area, that's where the fire department's going to respond. There should be a white box for fire safety plan. And in the city of Toronto, it's got to have a lock on it. City of London, usually these boxes are from safety media. But look for the fire safety plan box. If there's a fire safety plan box, it's probably got a lock on it. But you know what? You as a property occupant have access to that. So you can contact the property owner to get a copy of that fire safety plan because that would relate to your safety, how you can get out in that building. There may be some information that you can't get because it's uh, just to the building because they might put some really detailed information as to who the contractors are and how much they pay for certain services. But again, the general rule of thumb is that everything in that fire safety plan is should be given to the property or the occupant. Now you go in the building. Now if you have an elevator, make sure that the elevator doesn't have any lights turned on. Why? Because that is all hooked up to the fire alarm system as well, making sure there's all the bypasses are, are turned off, making sure the lights are turned on, making sure the recall is going to work on your on your elevator. Now you get up to your floor, 
making sure you have exits to your from your floor that are two exits minimum making sure those exits you know where they are making sure there's a pull station you know how to use that pull station the manual pull stations in these buildings now have operate differently Take a little look at how they operate so you can notify everybody else if there is a real emergency. Sometimes you have to push down, sometimes you have to pull out, sometimes you have to pull out and then down. Sometimes you have to break the glass to get at it. Sometimes you have to lift lift a, another cover uh, because mm-hmm. of uh, people that don't look after their fire alarm system. So again, we have the covers in place and make sure all that is in place. Now we're walking back to our, our unit, uh, making sure there's a fire extinguisher within 75 feet of our door. Where's the closest fire extinguisher? It's got to be a two-way rated fire extinguisher. Maybe there's fire hose um, or at least a stamp pipe system within that corridor as well or, or a hose cabinet, making sure the hose looks like it would work, make sure there's no drips coming out of it. Now we enter into our room. Make sure our we have a good latching door. If you have, a, that's a fire rated door now coming off of our corridor. Look at the back of the door. If you open the door wide open, you should see a fire listing on that door, how long you have safety from smoke and fire that is in that corridor. So now we check, make sure we have a good closing door. It latches. Now we're in another safe zone. Now this is our dwelling unit. Our dwelling unit must have a smoke alarm. Take a look at the smoke alarm, making sure we can always add smoke alarms too. You can go to your local hardware store. I recommend a photoelectric smoke alarm, battery operated to always back up whatever's in the building. Uh, my house alone, uh, just you can buy them for like $30, a good photoelectric smoke alarm. You can get it with carbon monoxide. You can get it with carbon dioxide. But I recommend the carbon monoxide and photoelectric combo unit. It's probably going to cost you about $60. My wife is a volunteer firefighter, and of course, I'm with the association. So our smoke detectors in our home, just so everybody knows, cost about $300. We went top of the line. There's one in every kid's room. There's one in our room. There's one in the living room. We have standalone heat detectors. So again, we've gone over and above. Now with those, there's this paperwork behind those. So if you are the owner, you probably uh, signed off that you're responsible for the smoke alarm in that building. If you're the tenant, you probably signed off. You're responsible for the testing of that unit within that room if it is a standalone, not on the fire alarm system. So again, check your paperwork. What are you responsible to do on that smoke alarm? Once a year, someone registered probably is going to come in from the building or a fire alarm technician to test it. But what can you do now to maintain it? So there is manufacturer directions you can follow. Find out what model it is. Google it. There'll be manufacturer recommended how to test it. There might be a hush button. Find out how your smoke detector works in your actual unit. Or the, or hopefully have more than one smoke detector. If you have ionization, keep it away from your kitchen and, uh, and your bathroom because of the steam and whatnot. So now you're looking at it. If it is photoelectric, one thing you can do is make sure you, uh, when you have the vacuum out, give it a little vacuum photoelectric is just a bunch of beams inside and once you break the beams one of the worst causes for false alarms on our smoke alarms is spiders getting in there so if we take a vacuum keep it nice and clean around our smoke alarms and then uh, if it's any other brand just keeping it clean making sure we mm-hmm. don't paint over top of it your condo might be sprinklered making sure you know where those sprinkler heads are a lot of them are concealed now as well making sure the paint and something hasn't sealed over that sprinkler head so it can't pop down and actually put out the fire that is in your unit then take a look at anything that produces heat so again fire is is produced by heat oxygen and fuel we want to keep those three things separate so let's start with our heat sources and make sure anywhere where we have a heat source we're keeping the fuel separated from it so you look at our stove keeping it clean around the stove underneath the grills in the stove in the oven keeping it clean 
still kitchen fires are still our, our hazard. When we're cooking, make sure we have tight clothing mm-hmm. on so we don't have loose clothing hanging over top. Uh, that's still for our elderly population. We got to watch out for those loose fitting clothes when they're cooking. And then anywhere else where we might have uh, baseboard heaters, where we might do our projects, making sure we keep the fuel away from the heat. That's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking about some condos that I've been in and, and, uh, you know, if they have a washer and dryer and they have it in a room, you know, in the small little, uh, closet kind of a setup, and then they have the stacking ones. I can't tell you how many times I've seen paint cans in those rooms. Yeah. Paint cans. I don't like you being I in mean, any kind of uh, building yeah. to begin with, but again, as long as they're water-based, not oil-based paints, that's, right. that's but one maybe thing that's not really it. a great place to store them considering no, you're again, closing the door and you're, and you're turning your, uh, your dryer on, yeah. or maybe actually, do you think that it would be wise then for, for new building codes to maybe include doors that have the vents in them for those dryers? Because I know that some people, like I know some condo corporations, um, they don't think about it. They don't move forward with it. But you know the the lint traps up in the ceiling? Yep. Okay, those are real huge fire hazards. And they it's need cool, to be cleaned up by professionals. I mean, uh, not just the unit your, owner. It should be listed in your fire safety plan how often the major building units. Uh, the actual lit. building, yeah. The yep. building, not just like, you know, people like the. Uh, but each unit. The occupant can do. It depends do, how much you use yeah. your dryer. But even in my mm-hmm. own home, I pull out the whole dryer vent once a year just to make sure there's no blockages within that. That lint is a very flammable fuel. So yeah, we want to make sure all that lint is not trapped anywhere. It starts to build up just from one little nick in a, in a tube or a pipe. And a lot of that is just a sharp pipe. So it can start to collect very quickly or if it gets wet. So again, yeah, the high humidity in Ontario, we want to make sure that lint gets carried out. Look after your own unit. If you're looking after your, your own unit, you'll, you may see whether or not there's a problem with the building as well. Then if you're actually pulling your dryer out to do that, you're not going to store anything around it either. So, well, that's uh, it. Exactly. And then you're going to be well aware of it all. Well, I brought that to mention because um, I know that there was a building, we received the complaint on it, and it was a building where apparently what happened was the people went, they cleaned out their vents, like, you know, the one that they see up top, and then, of course, the one on the dryer. But uh, then when they contacted property management, they came in and lo and behold, the building was only six years old. They forgot to put the trap for the main area. So the builder didn't want to do it because, of course, it was past the warranty time. So they got into a big dispute on it. And eventually he had to actually come back and clean up a bunch of units because you could not access the main area for that piping. You know, to be able to clean it out building-wise. Well, you bring up a good point about the warranty. You know. And we have very good companies putting in Mm -hmm. these fire alarm systems. But again, we're working with the electrical contractor. We're working with the building contractor. We're working with the building code. One thing I found as a building owner representative is looking at our warranty periods. And the fire alarm system usually doesn't have to be inspected for another year past the verification date of that new building. I always made sure that first test was done within the warranty period making sure anything that was deficient with that building was found before the warranty was up. So having those fire alarm technicians come in and do a good check of that building within that warranty period helped alleviate any of those warranty concerns. And that goes for pretty much anything else in the building. Doing that double check within that warranty period. And unfortunately, we're going to find it. uh, We're all not perfect. Things always happen. Uh, We have inspectors that do their best. We have contractors that do their best. There's always going to be one life safety system that doesn't get right up to par. And it might take that six years to find it. Hopefully it's a minor case. Like the lint, it's usually a minor case. Mm -hmm. But again, who's going to put those fire stops? Who's going to put those? uh, You know, there's a lot of uh, fire uh, 
uh, links within those systems as well, like the garbage chute, the lint chute, uh, to make sure that the fire cannot spread throughout our building. So again, uh, looking to some of our uh, fire and life safety engineer engineering companies, building audit reviews now are huge, and a lot of them, a lot of the specialty building and fire code reviews are done by our member companies as well. So if you're interested in who's out there doing it, CFA member companies uh, ask for it by name. Uh, look on their website; they will have CFA member company. And that'll tell you right now they're committed to life safety. And there is a, I just want to point out to your listeners too, that we do have a code of ethics, not just for the technicians, but for the members as well, for life safety in general. So when they are going through and doing their due diligence, making sure and listing out to that building owner, what is the best for them to ensure life safety, whether it's a code deficiency or just a recommendation, the code of ethics on our website there, uh, we're making sure we're doing the utmost for that building owner. Well, you know, I think that uh, it's so important because you're saving lives. You know, you're saving hardships. You're saving the building. I mean, it all comes together. I was thinking about another building, actually, and I wanted to ask you this question. Say a building was only a couple of years old, but all of their underground lighting, all the ballast kept blowing out from time to time. Is that going to then come back and be something that's gone wrong with the electrical systems? Because if something's gone wrong there, then it could be flowing through the building and it could actually affect the life support systems. And that was another complaint that we received way back when. What ended up happening actually is is that they had to come in and replace all of the ballast through the underground parking. And it never occurred to me how that would have actually affected the life systems as well. Well... Unfortunately, I'm a fire alarm technician. I, I deal with direct current, not a whole lot of alternating current like an electrician. So I, I'm, not a, I'm not the expert on alternating current. Um, what I would like to recommend, though, is an electrician or electrical company that is a CFA member. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a lot of them out there. And again, looking at your fire safety plan, what you know, maybe what is that power hooked up to? Because it will tell you where the power systems are fed from in your fire safety plan. If you have the verification reports from your fire alarm system, the installation documents from your emergency lighting, your generator for the building, all of that should be listed in the fire safety plan and where those feeds are from. I know when I was a building owner representative, I even put little tags on making sure I knew where, you know, not just what the electrician did, but understanding so that anybody going into those areas understood where the power was being fed from. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do as a building owner, just doing those quick reviews, understanding and looking. If you have questions, take pictures and send it off to your local uh, company. You, you probably already have a lot of uh, contractors on, on call. Uh, you're paying a lot of money for, for that annual maintenance for different things. One of them could be your electrician. Take pictures, send them off to your electrician and make sure you get a comment back. And again, pictures worth a thousand words. Today's technology, take a little video, take a, take a picture and uh, get, get those local contractors involved. And absolutely. I mean, that's the best way. You got to deal back with the professionals. I mean, they know exactly. I've, I've learned myself so much today with uh, you have coming on board, Steve. It's just phenomenal. I'd like to ask you one last question with respect to rooftop patios. Uh, rooftop patios and barbecues. You know, some of these things do not shut off. They don't shut off themselves. Um, I don't know if there's any kind of gadgets that you can put on rooftop patio barbecues, like gas barbecues with some kind of a, a shut off if it's not being used for a period of time or anything. Is there anything out there at all that could create a better, a safer environment for these rooftop patio barbecues? Well, okay, I'm an ex-fire chief. So having propane tanks you know? or, or barbecues with natural gas on any patio or rooftop uh I wouldn't recommend at all having electrical or that way we can have quick shutoffs. Even some of the natural gas, there is quick shutoffs. 
There is ultimate devices. I know when I was a building owner manager, putting safety elements on stovetops, there's microwave shutoff, smoke alarms available now. Um, there's shutoff devices so that when the fire alarm goes off, we shut off gas supplies. Uh, we can look at the commercial kitchen hood system type scenarios where you can have automatic gas shutoffs. Yes, there are components. If you want to make it safe, talk to your local uh, fire protection company, fire alarm company. They will help walk you through what some of the options available are. And there's just an endless supply of uh, options available to the building owner now to make it as safe as possible. Um, and some of them aren't that costly. It's a matter of uh, re-engineering what you mm-hmm. currently have or reutilizing what you currently have as far as a fire alarm system, just building on what you currently have or making a long-term plan so you can build it into the into your capital plan. Well, I think there's about 50% of the buildings in downtown Toronto, I can tell you, have rooftop patios and they all have uh, gas, uh, natural gas uh, barbecues. And, and that's why I'm asking the question, because you see a lot of times too, depending on who's up there, if they got a party, they can forget about it. They can walk away, they leave it running. And, you know, we can't be expecting security to go upstairs and babysit the rooftop patio to make sure that the barbecues have been turned off. So certainly for condominium directors out there, something to think about. Uh, you can actually reach Steve Clemens or the CFAA, the Canadian Fire Alarm Association, at info at cfaa.ca and they can provide you an immense amount of information and certainly I would recommend to all property managers and board of directors of any condominium corporation out there to uh, be in touch with the Canadian Fire Alarm Association maybe even have a meeting in your party rooms and invite the residents of the building to come down and to listen to some of this information because Learning about it before anything happens is when you're protected, not afterwards. Can I please put a shout out too for all the fire departments out there? All of them will give you a inspection on request or complaint within your building. Please look to your local fire inspector as well. We have trained most of the fire inspectors in Ontario for fire alarm. We're working closely with them as well. They're a key partner because they're in every city. And again, there's some of those people we can trust anywhere we go. Again, let's uh, make sure we put those requests or complaints into our local fire department as well. Oh, absolutely. So we touched a lot on where just before we close up, I know some of our listeners are condo townhouses. So because they're living in townhouses, they may not have as much intricate uh, guidelines with respect to, you know, fire safety and so on, as far as the inspections and whatnot. But I guess they're the main concern for them are going to be working fire alarms, all of the other types of things that you've mentioned that they could actually control within their own condo unit. And I guess uh, helping support our uh, Canadian Security Association, many of these uh, these condominiums have security systems. So if you have a security system within your condo, ask about fire detection devices and putting that onto your security system. A great inexpensive way to ensure your fire safety within those areas. Again, it's monitored then. It's battery backed up and there's someone going to check it when anything goes wrong with the system. Another good way to increase your safety. Well, something to think about, especially for the older buildings, because they probably don't have that. Yeah. And and if you're going to replace, yeah. And again, if you're going to replace, go to your local hardware store uh, or or talk to us first and we can give you some recommendations uh, by emailing us at info at cfa.ca. We'd love to help you with those individual requests. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on the condo expert today. You know, on behalf of the Condo Owners Association, we look forward to working with you in the future and maybe, uh, you know, bring in some more 
experts with respect to safety on elevators and safety on sprinkler systems and all of these types of things because, you know, joining together as, as a unit for awareness, it just makes everything one step better. Yeah, and we'd love to see you in person. So if you'd like uh, to request us to come out and do some training, feel free to give us a call for that as well. Fantastic. Thank you. So today we were listening to Steve Clemens of the Canadian Fire Alarm Association, definitely putting it out there to make sure that everyone is aware of all the different things relating to fire and safety, things that you should not be overlooking. And I would have to guess that everybody out there should probably listen to this show over and over and over, not to get the expertise that Steve has. He's worked hard for it with his long, you know, experience in this uh, fire alarm association as the um, executive, executive director, but certainly for your future. Have a wonderful day. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato of The Condo Expert.